Good morning, all. Psalm 119 this morning, uh, verse 145 through 152. It's the 19th section here in, in Psalm, and we're, we're coming to the, the latter part of this chapter. And uh, I think we have three more weeks after this, and <clears throat> about for three more sections anyway. Uh, in this morning's sections, we find the psalmist crying out to God, and uh, he needs revival. We see the term quickening again here, and um, he really cries out to the only one that can help. Uh, and uh, from time to time, we all need revived, uh, or a quickening, if you will. Uh, the need is the same, and the means are the same. Right? We all need to be revived, and uh, the Lord does it uh, a certain way. I, I, by no means, am an expert in revival, and haven't studied revival extensively, but um, there are a few things that we'll talk about this morning that I think if we would apply them, we could experience revival uh, individually. And of course, we know that revival uh, starts individually, and then it goes from there. Um, I was reading an account of a, a youth meeting, I believe it was in a, in a public school, and, and uh, there was a Christian uh, athletics group that had come in to do some things with the young people. Um, and it was, there was a set time that it was supposed to take place, uh, but as the service went on, the principal noticed that the Lord was just doing something. The Spirit was working, and, and it lasted about four hours. Uh, the kids just began to pray and to confess and to get right with one another, and uh, they, they got right with the Lord and with each other. And the interesting thing after that was for months to follow in the school, the teachers noted uh, that the school was better. The young people uh, were treating each other better. They were more well-behaved uh, because they had experienced revival. Um, listen, we need a revival. Uh, and it starts with us being honest with ourselves and with God. Uh, the psalmist here, he, he says the need for personal revival. Actually, let's before I get ahead of myself, let's read down verses 145 through 152, and then we'll, we'll look at these things this morning. The Word of God says this, I cried with my whole heart, with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. I prevented the dawning of the morning, and I cried. I hoped in thy word. Mine eyes prevent the night watches, that I might meditate in thy word. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgment. They draw nigh, <clears throat> excuse me, they draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we do thank you for our nation. And Lord, for those that have uh, died, Lord, for our freedoms. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just touch our nation. Pray that you bring revival to our country once again. Lord, that we would turn back to, to you and your word. And uh, Father, I pray that the people of God would get serious about this and Lord, get involved in our nation as we ought to be. And, and Father, we do now ask, Lord, that you would bless the Sunday school hour. We pray that you would meet with the folks in this facility. Lord, as we gather together as a church today, that you would just do a work in each and every heart. And Father, we'll give you the glory for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So the psalmist realized the need for personal revival. I think that's where it starts. You have to understand the need for revival before you will ever ask for revival. 
uh, right? And, and uh, he cried with a whole heart. In verse 145, it says there, I cried with my whole heart. And we've seen this thought uh, previously throughout this psalm. And if you want to, you can turn to verse 2, Psalm 119. <clears throat> in verse 2, and he talks about seeking the Lord. And in verse 2, it says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him, it says, with the whole heart. Look at verse 10. It says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. And so the psalmist was seeking wholeheartedly. And he talks about keeping and observing the laws. Look at verse 34. Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. With my whole heart. Verse 69. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. He speaks of asking God for his favor in verse 58. If you want to go back just a couple verses, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. He says there, and now in this verse, he speaks of crying out to God with that whole heart. Uh, wholeheartedly seeking God. When we think of doing something with the whole heart, our thoughts typically go to total commitment and consecration. Here the psalmist is crying out to God in full and complete surrender. Uh, full and complete surrender. Uh, this is a key to real personal revival, is surrendering. Sometimes we have our thoughts on what we want God to do and how we want God to uh, intervene in our lives and do things, but the reality, revival is only going to come when we're fully surrendered to what God wants. Uh, we have these ideal images of Christianity and the, the Christian life, and, and we are asking God to do those things for us. But we will never experience true revival until we are fully surrendered. The key is to, uh, that's the key to personal revival, really. And so this morning, my question is, are you fully surrendered to God? And what He wants in your life? And what the Word of God says to do with your life? Are you fully surrendered? Um, and most of us would say, well, sure, yeah. Uh, but I think if we look in the, uh, the deep corners of our heart, we would find that that might not be true. And outwardly we'll say that, but is that truly what we want in our heart? Are we wholeheartedly surrendered to the Lord? And uh, listen, if you're not surrendered, don't expect revival. Don't fool yourselves to think that you can go through some motions and, and say a certain prayer and you know, act a certain way and, and think that that's revival or expect God to do a work of revival in your life. That's not true at all. I want to read something that I got from uh, Barnes, and it says this, The expression, I cried with my whole heart, means that he did it earnestly, fervently. Look at the, listen to this. He had no divided wishes when he prayed. Not always is this so, even with good people or Christian people. Uh, they sometimes offer a form of prayer that they may be spiritually minded when their hearts are intensely worldly. And they would be unwilling to be otherwise. Did you get that? Unwilling to be otherwise? Well, they're worldly. And the, the reality is they're unwilling to be otherwise. Uh, even though they're saying this form of a prayer. Or that religion may be arrived. When their hearts have no lively interest in it. And no wish for it. That they may live wholly to God. When they are making all their arrangements to live for the world. Right? Sometimes we say the right things. We ask God for certain things, but how are we 
ordering and arranging our lives. Does it line up with that? This was, I thought this was a good note anyway. And when they would greatly be disappointed if God should take means to make them live entirely to Him. Would that disappoint you? Would you be disappointed that, that God, uh, I mean, this is a convicting thought, or that they may be humble, childlike, sincere, when they have no wish to be any otherwise than they are now. And when they would regard it uh, as an affront, if it should be assumed by any that they were not so now, and if they were exhorted to change their course of life, often it would be a great surprise, perhaps grief, even to professedly religious people, if God should answer their prayers and should make them, make them what they professedly desire to be and what they pray that they may be. If God were to answer your prayer for revival, would you be blown away and disappointed if he did it? Because you're so entangled with the things of this world? Uh, what a convicting thought, at least it was for me. Maybe you guys are more spiritual than me. Listen, can we truly say that what the psalmist said here? I cried with my whole heart. With everything that's in me, God, I'm calling out to you, asking you to do a work. Is that your desire this morning? That God would come and do a work? Are you wholehearted about your seeking after Him? Or is it lip service? Or is it routine because we've been doing it for so many years? Uh, are we serious about the things of God? Uh, it's a challenge to our heart. And listen, we, uh, I've been in church for 20 plus years, I think now. I started going to church regularly, faithfully after God got a hold of my heart as a 16, 17-year-old young man. And I have seen the routine of Christianity. Uh, the faithful. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. That many would consider godly folks. Then the reality is they're not wholeheartedly seeking God. They're content and comfortable where they're at. Knowing that and oftentimes knowing that God wants to take them a step further, but they're resistant. They're resistant. But listen this morning, are you wholeheartedly seeking God? Can you say, as the psalmist said in verse 145, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. God, whatever you tell me, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to do it. If it's, even if it's not comfortable. Even if it's not what I thought you were going to do. I'm going to keep that. I'm going to be obedient to what you would have me to do. Is that your prayer this morning? Can you truly say that with him? That you're crying out with your whole heart. And he says, hear me, O Lord. Save me. Listen, it's a comfort to know that our cries go out to God. Uh, and we know that he is there and willing to listen to hear us. And he's, he will deliver us. That's a comfort. The psalmist had confidence that his God would hear him. And, and, and save him. <clears throat> He hopes in his word in verse 147 uh, and in verse 148 that I might meditate in thy word. Uh, listen, let me read those verses before I get ahead of myself. It says, I cried, save me, save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. I prevented the dawning of the morning and cried, I hope in thy word. Mine eyes prevented the night or prevent the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. And, and uh, so... I want you to notice and make note that it's in the morning and at night. 
In other words, he was constantly seeking after God. Constantly. Uh, the word prevent means to come before or to proceed. A little bit different than what we often think about in our uh, modern day language. Uh, the word prevent uh, with us is now commonly used in the sense of hinder, right? Today that's what we think, we're going to hinder something. But this is never really the meaning in the scriptures. Uh, the word in the time of the translators of the Bible was used in the primitive and the proper sense, meaning to proceed or to anticipate. And I think we can get a very good sense of exactly what it means when you look at 1 Thessalonians 4.15 where it says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, right? But listen, I, I, we'll just summarize this. In uh, He was up early and late crying out to God. Pretty simple, right? Uh, I'm not an English major and definitely not a Hebrew and, and Greek, right? Uh, but I, I could understand the fact that the psalmist was serious about what he was wanting God to do. He was crying out to God and he was doing it daily, multiple times a day. Uh, and if you look at that word and it says uh, there, I prevented uh, the dawning of the morning. And then if you look down in verse 148, mine eyes prevent the night watches. Oftentimes there were multiple watches throughout the night. And so... Uh, he would precede those times with times going before the Lord and seeking the Lord. So that, I mean, we're talking, if there were three watches in a night, that's at least four times a day. Uh, listen, the psalmist was serious about wanting God to do something. Are we that serious? It's been a long time since I've sat watch. Uh, but as an Air Force guy, as odd as it is, I did sit watch. Uh, I was attached to the army, and, and when you're in the army, you're a soldier first. And when you're an airman in the army, you're a soldier first. <laughs> That's just, uh, you're just another E-whatever. I think I was an E-5 at the time, staff sergeant, and uh, well, I sat guard, uh, the perimeter of the base. And uh, <clears throat> it's been a while since I sat watch, but I'll tell you what, before I sat watch, I was praying. Uh, I was nervous. That's not something typically that I did as my job in the Air Force. Thank you, Brother Sanderson, for standing watch. Uh, it, it's a big deal. Uh, the, that's when the enemy wants to creep in, right? Uh, but listen, uh, the psalmist was continually seeking for God to do a work. Uh, in the morning, early, he was up early and he was, he was uh, up late crying unto God and uh, we won't take the time to turn there this morning, but if you want to read 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 through 10, the Apostle Paul kind of gives us a, a little glimpse of maybe what the psalmist is going through there as well um, with uh, some of the circumstances and the dire straits maybe you would say that he's in. Uh, listen, the psalmist was serious about his need for revival. He concluded he needed God's quickening more than anything else. Are we convinced of that? I think in our churches today, we're not. We've become comfortable and complacent and apathetic and really quite lazy, if you, if you want to be honest. And his life, day and night, was ordered by his desire for revival. He sought God continually, day and night. And do you desire God like the psalmist expresses his desire for God in, in this passage? Or do you break out your daily devotional 
I almost said the daily bread, but I don't want to act like that's a bad thing because it's really not. But, but listen, if you do a five-minute devotional before you face your day, it's, you're probably going to need a little more bread than that to make it. I know I do. Listen, the psalmist was continually, day and night, in the morning, in the night watches, crying out and seeking for God to do something. What a weak Christianity we have today where we can read a little pamphlet. I have an app on my phone. I, I, I use devotionals. But don't let that be the only thing you do. You know, get into God's Word. And be obedient to God's Word. <clears throat> don't fool yourself because you did some five-minute thing that you're spiritual. I, I ensure you, and, I, and on, uh, God wants more of you than that. He really does. Uh, that's a, begin, the, a place to begin and to start. But listen, uh, are you serious about seeking your God? Or do you just want the benefits of it? That's where we're at in American Christianity, I believe. We want all the things and the benefits that God has to offer and His protection and His, to experience His love and the peace and all those things. But the reality is we don't want to go through the suffering and the challenges and the trials that God says that we will. Listen, those things are much more enjoyable when you're going through them with Him. But oftentimes we go astray or, or keep to the side and uh, <clears throat> we neglect, those challenges are much more difficult because we're facing them on our own. The prayer for personal revival. Look at verse 149. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness, O Lord. Quicken me according to thy judgment. The basis for his prayer is God's loving kindness. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness. Uh, this word is, is often used in the Old Testament to speak of God's character. Uh, God's kindness is mentioned in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. Now, many of us are probably familiar with verses 8 through 9 or even 10. <clears throat> but Ephesians 2, 7 says this, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. If you want a, a picture of God's kindness and love, there is no greater picture than Christ and what He did for us and how it drove Him to the cross to take our place. And we know that those, the verse 7 is followed by uh, the famous verses that were saved by grace through faith. And listen, God truly displays His loving kindness towards us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, probably no better example can we ever see in Scripture uh, the psalmist says here, Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness, according to thy mercy, thy goodness. Uh, <clears throat> that, uh, that's a good rule uh, to go by God's love. Uh, not the fervor or the earnestness of our prayer. That's not how I want God to respond based on my. Uh, I, we need God to respond based on his loving kindness. Because uh, we're not always sincere, earnest, fervent in our prayers, uh, but God in His loving kindness can respond uh, in, in a much greater way than we ever imagined uh, or ever thought He would. 
just because he loves us so much. Uh, We can desire no better rule in answer to our prayers. But God, according to your loving kindness, hear my voice. It's all based on the merits of Christ and what he's done for us. We couldn't ask for a greater avenue for God to answer our prayers. I want to remind you of some verses along this thought here. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, it says, Ask and uh, and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there, excuse me, among you, whom if if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things unto them that ask him? Uh, boy, we can ask God on no greater plane than from his love and kindness toward us. Uh, it has nothing to do with our, our goodness or our merit. It's all based on God. And so the psalmist says, according to thy loving kindness. O Lord, quicken me according to thy judgment. And he he continues there and it says, quicken me. The basis of the loving kindness of God, or that's the basis of the prayer. God, I want you to do something based on your loving kindness. uh, But the means of revival is always according to the word of God. Quicken me, it says, according to thy judgment. Uh, in his presence. <clears throat> uh, have you ever been in God's presence? Uh, those times when you, you get alone with God and, and, and you just pray and you can just feel the loving kindness of God. Uh, what it, I don't know what circumstances you were facing at the time or maybe you face today. Uh, but you can experience God's loving kindness if you just get in his presence of uh, in, in, in prayer. And, uh, <clears throat> but God says, quicken me. Uh, those time, or the psalmist says, quicken me. Those times when I've went to God and, and just asked for his forgiveness and experienced that loving kindness have been the times that I felt the most quickened and revived in my life. Uh, oftentimes it was preceded by confession. Lord God, forgive me. And God comes in in his love and his kindness and in his grace and he gives forgiveness. Uh, And you experience that quickening. Uh, Oftentimes it's because you align your life with his word. According to his judgments. Uh, You can be quickened uh, when we uh, align our lives with God's word. He had hoped in the word and meditated upon the word. Revival will not come apart from the word of God. We see that he hoped in it and he was meditating in it. Uh, You will not have revival without God's word. Um, Revival is not an emotional experience. It is the work of the spirit of God upon our hearts in accordance with the word of God. I uh, saw a quote uh, the other day. And uh, I think his name was John Stewart. I, I, I should have written it down or put it in my notes here, but I didn't. And, uh, but it was something to the fact that, that uh, uh, revival is the people of God experiencing the power of the unquenched, ungrieved spirit of God. 
when we get serious about what God's doing in our hearts and we get serious about what he's teaching us and, and trying to teach us in his word and we, we quit grieving and quenching the spirit of God, we begin to experience that power and that quickening. That's revival. Revival is not an emotional experience where we just come and we hear some great music and we get excited about things. Revival is when we align ourselves with what God wants us to do with our lives in his word. God always promises to bless those that do such a thing. Do we want God's blessing on our life? Do we want God to do a work in our lives? Then we must quit quenching and grieving the Spirit of God. When God speaks to us through the Spirit and, and, and through the Word, we need to respond and yield to those things, confess those things that need confessed, and begin doing those things that uh, the Spirit of God is leading us to do. Uh, then we can experience uh, revival. As we close this morning, we'll look at the experience of personal revival. Look at verses 50 through 52, 150 through 152. Uh, they draw nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Concerning thy testimonies, uh, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. The assurance of God's presence. The psalmist acknowledged that the enemies were drawing closer, but the Lord was near him. The Lord was near him. Verse 150, they drew nigh that follow after mischief. They are far from thy law. And in verse 51, it says, thou art near, O Lord. Uh, in his presence, there is peace, comfort, and protection. Uh, it doesn't matter where the enemy's at or, or what's taking place around you and the turmoil that's going on. If you have God near you, you can face that with peace and, and confidence knowing that God has your back. Uh, no, there's no greater to have your back than God. There isn't a greater one. And you can have protection. And that doesn't mean nothing, no harm will ever come. We know there have been martyrs throughout history. Uh, but God will protect and to guide, and He can protect you from that. But um, remember the experience of the disciples on the sea in the midst of the storm? Uh, you think of, uh, he, had, he had sent the disciples ahead, and they were there in the boat. And, and uh, depending on which account you look at in the Gospels, they were rowing and uh, but anyway, there was a storm and the boat was kind of in turmoil and then Christ comes walking on the water. Uh, and he, they're troubled at first. And he says, peace. And, and then we know that Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And, and he steps out of that boat. And then all of a sudden he notices all the, the waves and, and he's like, whoa, what I, that wasn't a very smart decision. Uh, and he begins to sink and and the Lord saves him, but uh, when the Lord gets in the boat, what happens? Calm. The presence of Christ brought peace to the circumstances. And peace in the midst of the storm. Uh, and, and listen this morning, you can't go wrong uh, when you put Christ first and, and you reach out to Him. Uh, His presence, there's nothing like it. Though a sea in the and, and the waves will crash and roar. The waves of life can be uh, difficult to face, but with Christ, you can go through it all with peace. 
uh, and if you just trust him. As Miss Byers mentioned in her prayer request, she's just trusting him. Nobody wants to face those things. But you can have peace through things like that in circumstances of, of difficulty when you have the Lord on your side. And look at verse 151. Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. And so we spoke of this last week, but I'll just remind you quickly, God's word is always true. We talked a little bit about that last week. Uh, it is true regardless of what we may think. Uh, I don't care what you think. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, it's not right. We need to be careful because sometimes we get some good ideas, right? But if it doesn't line up with God's word, it's foolishness. It doesn't matter what we think. It, and it's true regardless of what we may feel. Listen, our feelings will lead us astray. Uh, if it's contrary to what the Word of God is teaching and, and directing, uh, follow the Word of God because your feelings, your heart's deceitful. Above all things, it says, right? And uh, desperately wicked, right? And so, listen, we need to follow God's truth, the direction in the, uh, in the Word of God. Listen, revival will come when we are assured of God's presence and we realize God's Word is truth. Uh, we need His presence and we need truth. We need the Word of God. <clears throat> revival is also a reassurance of previous truths taught, right? Revival is for the believer, not the unbeliever. Um, you cannot revive someone who has never had life. I think we all understand that this morning. The psalmist speaks of the testimonies that he had known of old. Look at verse 152. Concerning thy testimonies I have known of old, that thou hast founded them forever. Uh, this is not new truth. It is simply truth rediscovered, if you will. Uh, revival. This morning, most of uh, you are aware of God's word. I believe in this room there's a, a lot of Bible knowledge. Uh, I wouldn't doubt that for a moment. That there's a lot of Bible knowledge in here. Uh, and what God would have you to do, I think most of us would understand at least the basics uh, of the principles of God's Word that we ought to guide our lives by. What we need to, to be quickened or revived is that we might completely surrender our lives to the Lord. Oftentimes we know what the Word of God says. And, and we know the, the Spirit's urging to be obedient to God. But that's where it ends. We know it, but we're not surrendered to it. We want to try to think through our mind and, and try to come up to uh, and, and work out how everything's going to work out and understand it all. And that prevents us from being fully surrendered and really experiencing revival. I remember when I was saved as a young man, <clears throat> middle school kid, and um, I, can, I can picture it distinctly in my mind's eye, and, and I knew I needed Christ because I was a sinner. And I went forward at altar time, and I, and I received Christ. And, and I remember for weeks, uh, my friend was saved that same day, and for weeks... All we wanted to do was figure out what God wanted, and we were going to do it. 
God had quickened us. He'd made us alive. But now, 20-some years later, I've allowed myself to get in the way. And I think as Christians, that's what we do. We know what God wants. God has spoken, and we've been in the Word. We've heard the preacher say, Thus saith the Lord. But we get ourselves in the way of being fully surrendered. Whether it's because we want to understand it, we don't have the faith, we come up with a million excuses. This morning, I just want to ask you, are you surrendered? Can you say like the psalmist, I cried with my whole heart. And he says, hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. Can you say, God, with my whole heart, I'm crying out to you, and whatever you want, I'm going to do it. The condition of our churches said that we're not willing to do that. We have certain expectations or uh, we want to do it a certain way. But, but listen, the reality is if we want God to do a work in our lives, we just need to surrender ourselves and say, God, whatever you want, I'll do. Whatever you want, I'll do. Uh, do we need personal revival today? I believe so, absolutely. We need it corporately. But it isn't going to get corporate until we get personal. Is our walk with God what it needs to be? If not, we need to come to God and to cry out to Him to revive us. We need to get into the Word of God and do more than just read it. We need to meditate upon it and take it uh, from all that we can to strengthen and prepare us to do what God has called us to do. Listen this morning. Don't allow yourself to get in the way of what God wants to do in your life. Who knows what God could do in Rapid City if everyone in this room would do that? If we would truly surrender to what God would have us do for Him. Not worrying about what the next person in the pew in front of us or behind us or next to us thinks. But what God says, I'm going to do. Are you surrendered this morning? Father, we do thank You for this day. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. and Lord, I know You've been working in my heart lately and I thank You for that.